0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is a conversation that features the one and only Chris Jericho. The reason for the conversation is to promote Chris's band, Fozzy, their tour of Australia, which is happening in November of 2018. I'm going to read out some dates. Friday the night, they're playing in Melbourne. Saturday the 10th, they're playing in Sydney. Tuesday the 13th, they're playing in Adelaide. And finally, Wednesday the 14th, they're playing in Brisbane. Let's have a listen to what Chris has to say. Here we go. Here he is. It's Andy mckay Smith calling. Chris, how are you going? Good man. How are you doing, bud? Oh, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat to you. I've got to tell you, you're one of those blokes that's been on my bucket list for for some time, and I think I've interviewed well over three hundred people at this point. So, so uh, it's all right,
1: uh... man. Good to hear. I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, and it was you inspired me in in a way. Uh, I don't know whether you get this feedback that often, but I'll put it out there because um, I'm a podcaster as well, and I used to travel a lot for my job. And in between your pod your podcast, Joe Rogan's, Jamie Jasters, and Eddie Trunks, I was I felt like you guys were with me on the road as I was traveling, and getting on and off airplanes, and going into strange places and hotels. Right on. <laughs>
1: yeah, man, podcasting uh, has taken over a lot of. Uh my my audio time as well. I don't listen to all music as I used to. It's always just podcasts now at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I listened to a, an extraordinary one you did with Ron McGovney today, and I, I know you did it a couple of months back or a month or so back, but um, that guy has such humility, and I felt that your line of questioning and the way in which you were able to allow him to tell his story because he's very much come to terms with the fact that, He was the bass player in a proto version of Metallica, but there's no arrogance or nothing, even approaching any sentiment from the guys there, really. There's just, that's what I did then, and I moved on, and I've been working in a factory for the last, God knows however long it was. I don't think he gave it a time frame, but uh, I really felt you did that interview really well, and there was another one you did a few years back with, um, it was a much harder one. I've got to hand it to you with the bass player from Rage Against the Machine, Timmy Comerford. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a weird one, to be honest, because he was talking about waterboarding to John McEnroe. <laughs> and, yeah. And,
1: uh, well, that, that's, that's kind of how I run my shows. I don't have questions, I don't have anything prepared. I just kind of go with the flow. And when he mentioned something about waterboarding, I mean, we've all heard waterboarding before, but I had no idea really what it was. So to have Tim Comerford, who came in to do an interview. It wasn't very talkative, which Hmm. always makes me laugh. Like if you agree to do an interview with somebody, then you know that you have to talk. That's the fucking point of interview. Uh, And some guys don't want to do that. So then I have to kind of go into a tactical mode of like, okay, how am I going to get this guy to start talking? I don't care what he's talking about. Just fill time for my show. And he gave us kind of a description of what waterborne was. Then I've got a great story about, you know, the dude from Rage and the Machine waterboarding one of the greatest tennis pros of all time, <laughs> which is probably not something that I expected to hear on my show, and probably something you didn't expect to talk about, but that's kind of, I take great pride in the fact that when you do talk to John, you are not going to get asked the same questions. I mean, sometimes there's a few that you're going to get asked because I'm curious about it. I don't know the reason why this this happens, but... There's n- there's never going to be any dwelling on, you know, controversy or mm. um, why did this guy quit the band or why did you you know I don't want that. I just want people to come on the show and have a good time uh, and just talk and just chat. If I meet if I meet you in a bar somewhere, uh, I'm not going to pull out a, a list of questions. and Go so, A, B, C, and D. It's just going to be a chat and wherever it goes, it goes.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's the natural flow and that's what I, I take pride in that. Because, you know, I can always tell, because I've done so many interviews, when it's going to be a good interview or a bad interview from the first question that's asked.
0: You know, if someone pulls
1: out a list of questions and starts looking, all they're thinking about is the next question.
0: Uh They're not listening
1: Mm. to what's happening. And when you listen, that's when you can get the best stuff. That's when you get the stuff that guys and girls usually uh, don't get a chance to discuss. And that makes it more fun. the the guest opens up a little bit more and then suddenly you have a you know a great conversation going and that's what it's all about
0: yeah indeed and i remember when i started out i started out a bit over 12 months ago but to your point i had my questions lined up you know up to 10 to 15 questions or so and i wouldn't say it was just line up the questions and go 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 and disregard what the person has said but these days i can tell you now mate i don't have any pre-prepared questions outside of what I've developed mentally and I I knew you were a great conversationalist because I've listened to you so much so so there you go yeah and and did that happen very quickly for you like that with your podcast series like did you start off with a list of questions and quickly morph based on your experience and the way you listened back to the podcast
1: I mean mean, it was always just a conversation um more than anything I mean some sometimes if it was someone I wasn't as, as familiar with I might you know, research something on Wikipedia or something. Mm -hmm. And I used to do that a lot because sometimes people just wouldn't be talking. So you'd have to have some backup material to, to, to question them with. But then after a while, you know, I remember when I was going to go do a a podcast with Tony Iommi or Hulk Hogan or Paul Stanley, like I don't need to do research on these guys because I've been fans of theirs for, you know, 40 fucking years. So there's no research I can do that's going to tell me how to, do an interview with Hulk Hogan or do an interview with Gene Simmons. You know, I know these guys and I know what my experience has been with them uh, as far as my life. So Hmm. you don't need to do research on that. Now, most of the time, I won't take a guest that I don't find interesting, actually all the time. But sometimes those guests that I find interesting, I might not know a lot about. So then I might have to research it. To at least have a little bit of a basic idea of what I might want to talk about. But most of the time, those questions go unanswered. And I always have a, a an empty an empty pad of paper with a pen. Um, and then if they say something during the conversation that I want to kind of focus more on, I'll write it down.
0: Yeah, and yeah. And then go
1: back to it. Yeah, I'll do the exact so, same but that's, thing. So that's yeah. just kind of listening on the fly, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do the exact same thing. It's heartening to hear that somebody as professional as yourself. A lot of what I'm doing sounds like it's similar to what you've been doing, so that's good to hear. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I'll change change topic because I know John's organised this chat for us to talk about uh, your Australian tour. So I better ask a question about that because I've got a. How I, I actually? One question I'll ask now is how much time have we got, mate? Because I know you've only got the – well, as far as I'm aware, you've only got the two interviews, but if it's only 15 minutes, I've got so big. Yeah, I've got
1: another, another 10 minutes or so.
0: Sweet. Okay, no worries at all. Mate, the tour down to Australia, I think it's your first time down here since 2010, if I'm not mistaken, but you must be aware that the response has been pretty good and we've been waiting with bated breath for yourself and Rich to come back down with the band.
1: Well, yeah, actually, we we were there twice in 2013. One was on the Soundwave tour and one Uh was uh, supporting Steel Panther. Um, But this is our first headlining tour since since 2010. And and we're so excited, man. I mean, anytime somebody asks me, you know, what are your favorite countries to play in? I always name check Australia because we we always have a great time. Uh, We've been, I think, four times in Australia. But to not have come for five years is, is a crime to us. Because, uh, you know, like I said, we always have so much fun when we we tour uh, Down Under. Um, So to be able to come back, it's just another example of how, uh, I call it the Judas effect. The song, the album Judas Mm. has just taken the band to a completely different level and allowed us to play in countries, a lot of countries that we've never played before. I'm actually in the Czech Republic right now in Prague. We've never been here before. Um, And to return to places that's a long time coming, like Australia. So it's just kind of a whole uh, whirlwind that's going on with Fozzie because of Judas hmm. that's paying off uh, in so many ways, but the best ways that we get a chance to to return to a lot of places or go to a lot of places that we've never been. And one of those places for us is first and foremost is getting a chance to come back to Australia.
0: It's a really good point that you brought up there about Judas because I noticed, I just checked before we got on the call, 20, 21 million YouTube views, and that's effectively the chart that matters these days is it it's not the bullshit billboard chart or what have you it's fan engagement isn't it i mean 21 million views puts you up there with some of beyonce's stuff
1: it's so crazy because it's like you know um we were laughing the other day about painless uh, the second single that also went top 10 and it's done i think three and a half billion and we're like a little bit disappointed. And it's like, the only way you're a little disappointed with three and a half million views in six months mm. is this, is if you compare it with Judas, which is one of those songs. I don't know, man. It's the right song at the right place at the right time. It's become our stairway to heaven, uh, our mm. uh, You Should Be All Night Long. You know, name a band that uh, I Sandman that has a song that everyone knows that they equate with that band. And that's what Judas is for us. Um, you know, we are we, we watching the YouTube views, I mean, uh, Burn Me Out just came out two days ago, so we're checking that all the time, we're checking where Painless goes and then out of nowhere, we hear that fucking Judas did another million on YouTube it won't stop Um, and that's, Mm. like you said, that's a true gauge of, you know, I don't know why, I I I wish I could write a recipe for it and tell you, you know, A, B, C, and D, but there is no uh, uh, reason for why Judas is so popular it just is, you know, and that's all that matters, it's like, we just take it uh, with a grain of salt and, and be thankful for the fact that when this song came out, that people were excited to hear it and the band was ready. I think um, that's the most important thing. It wasn't like we were a one-hit wonder that just had no idea how to take this success and run with it. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. We've had successful songs in the
0: past. Mm, yep.
1: But now we have this this calling card that everybody knows and it just opens so many doors and just takes everything to, the, to completely different levels. And, you know, we knew it was eventually going to happen, but now that it actually did happen, it is happening, it just makes everything that much sweeter.
0: Yeah, and you've alluded to something really important there is that, and that unlike most bands, your career trajectory, you're getting stronger after 18 years, if you don't mind me saying, and people are reacting to you very positively through that time. So you started out doing some covers. Then you started releasing some some really well-received original material, but it just seems to be building for you guys, doesn't it? It's, it's quite the opposite. See, I've got a theory that most bands only have two or three good albums, but man, I would love to see what your next two or three albums are going to sound like, because I really think with the release of Sandpaper, feel free to disagree with me here, I really feel as though with the release of Sandpaper, you guys arrived.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, I think, the last three records <clears throat> of Fozzie's career, and, and we have seven total, and this is not to demean any of those other records, but you could basically take those other records and throw them away. It's the last two records mm, that we've yeah. really figured out who Fozzie is uh, as a band, what our sound is, what our vibe is, um, and you can see that by our set list, I mean, it's made up but the majority is for the last two records i mean there's one maybe two older songs but what we found out is a lot of those older songs just don't fit anymore hmm. with what we're doing I mean, you play uh, like you know a song like god pounds his nails from chase the grail was a huge song for us and then the last time we played it i remember after the show it went to rich and I was like, Dude, it doesn't fit anymore And he's like i agree it's gone we're done and um You know, it was a great song for the time, but like you said, when Sandpaper and Cinebones came out, that's when the band really uh, became Fozzy. We became who we are now as a band. And then progressing through, and then working uh, on the Judas record with with, uh, Johnny Andrews, who's the producer that we decided to work with. You know, he co-wrote all the songs, and then suddenly there's a third party that's involved in the creative process, which we've never had before. And sometimes that's a little bit hard to deal with. Like, who the fuck is this guy, you know, telling us what to do? Hmm. Uh, but then you realize, like, oh, my gosh, like he's he's right. Like, this is so much better of a song because of this suggestion or that suggestion. And that was a huge step for us as well. So I think, like you mentioned, you know, you know, Fozzie and Johnny Andrews are now a package deal. I won't do a record without him. Cool. Okay. Um, and, you know, he's, he, he's crazy. We're crazy. But the end result is all that matters. And we have this amazing record that has three singles um, and hopefully in this day and age for a record coming to release three singles for one record is so rare. You know, you get one, maybe two, if you can get three, that's the equivalent of freaking NXS kick in 1988, <laughs> with six singles. Or, um, yes. So, yeah. you know, we're just continuing. You know, a lot of times they'll just shut the album down and go on and say, we want a new record, but they said no one wanted to burn me out now. And so mm-hmm. it just makes everything that much better. Cause when we did the Judas record, we really wanted to, Focus on doing an album that had, you know, ten singles on it. Um, If if the if the record company chose to do that, we have the songs to back it up. Uh, And so the fact that they wanted to do three, uh, and and kind of arguing about what the third single was even going to be in the first place because there's so many great songs on the record. Yeah, that's a good position for a band.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Mate, I'll make this my last question if that's okay. I had a really good conversation about twelve months ago with Rich about everything with the band and the wonderful success that you've had and you can look forward to. But my question for you, mate, is how would you describe your relationship with Rich? Because I imagine that you've got a, quite a brotherhood going on there with him.
1: Yeah, man, we, we, went, we went through our uh, difficult period back in 2000. I don't even know, 2002, 2003. We had a couple arguments to kind of figure out who who was who and what was what. But since then, 16 years, we've been on the same page. Uh, he is my brother, man. He's probably my best friend, and and I might not even say that if someone said who's your best friend. But I spend mm-hmm. more time with the other guys in Fozzie than anybody else on the planet. Uh, I respect Rich. Uh, I'm a little bit scared of him. You know, he's one of the <laughs> only guys on the planet that you know I'm intimidated by, because his opinion means the world to me. And mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, we rarely, rarely ever get into any arguments or, or disagreements. And a lot of times, you know, what we learn more than anything is when you're in a band you let the guys the, uh do what they're best at you know uh, so rich doesn't get into my face if i'm doing press and promotion i don't get into his face if he's talking about merch a lot of times if you talking about merchandise or designs i'll just go whatever rich said. like if there'll be a big group chain of record company and management and merchandise i just say whatever rich says i approve i i don't even care like i don't need to see the design or see what he's talking about. Whatever Rich says, you got my permission. Now, now leave me alone sort of thing. And he, he'll do the same for me when it comes to certain things. And that's the professional courtesy to know that we've got two very talented individuals, two alpha males. Hmm. And for us to be able to, to, to coexist and not argue, you have to have some give and take and some respect. And that's what it's all about. I'm sure it's making Keith go through or Steven Bruce or, Joe and, and Joe and Steve, or anybody that's in a rock and roll band, yep. with the two components, you know, and that's what Fozzie, You know, we're David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, that's what we are. And you know, let let him do what he does best, and don't fuck with him, and vice versa. And as a result, it's just been a, a great partnership um, all across the board. And and just leaving uh, so much more to happen in the future because of how successful Judas was. So we're we're really really excited and we're really happy. You know, sometimes I'll just text him and go, dude, like fuck, we did it. Can you believe it? <laughs> Two top ten singles, yeah. You know, or whatever it may be. You know, uh, we sold out freaking you know a Schaffenberg. Congrats, dude. Like, did you ever think we'd ever sell out a Schaffenberg, Germany? You know, I don't even know if you know where that is. I don't. No, but I don't. We sold it out. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: that's that's cr- all that
1: matters. You know, so. You know, I, I, We never take things for granted. The fact that we're able to come back to Australia after five years, going to New Zealand for the first time, hmm. we don't take that for granted. We don't just go, oh, jeez, we got to go to Australia. It's like, holy shit, we're going back to Australia. We did it. Congratulations. And that's important. Man. You have to feel that way and believe that because uh, you'll never get jaded and you'll always be excited. And that just translates to the live performances.
0: All right, mate, I'll leave it there. Much respect to you for so many wonderful accomplishments through your career, and I certainly hope to see you and catch up with you because I'll certainly be in the audience when you guys come to Australia.
1: Sounds great, man. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. We're looking forward to
0: it. Thanks, mate. No worries. All the best. Thanks, man. Bye. Catch up. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and you also heard from Chris Jericho, the front man of the band Fozzie, and he's also a wrestler in his spare time. Thank you so much for listening.